Well, good morning, everybody. And once again, it is such a blessing and a privilege to be able to share with you this morning. If you are new to Connect Church, I just want to say welcome. It is great to have you with us. We started a series last week, which we are continuing with this week. This is part number two. The series is called Tough Questions. And we are essentially uh, attempting to answer from a biblical perspective some of the real tough questions posed to Christians and to Christianity in general. Last week, Brad looked at the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament and whether they're the same God or not. Uh, And I would encourage you to go and watch that if you missed that. Today, we are looking at this question or trying to unpack this question or answer this question. The question is, is hell justifiable? In other words, is hell a fair punishment for God to give to people who reject his offer of salvation through Jesus? Now, this question... It really is a difficult one. It's one of those tough ones to answer and not for reasons you might think. The answer itself, I believe, as we go to scripture is quite simple. It's really not that complex. The complex part comes in when we start dealing with people's emotions and their thoughts about hell, because this really is an emotional topic. Now, many of us don't really think about hell on a daily basis. People pass away every single day who don't know Jesus and we hear about their passing and we think it is tragic because it is tragic. But very seldom do we go beyond the tragedy of their physical death and start to contemplate what that means for them in eternity. However, if a loved one passes away, we tend to think about that a lot more. And especially when we lose family members, friends that are close to us, people we care about who didn't know Jesus, the reality of hell starts to sink in in a way that possibly it didn't before and begin to grapple with the emotional reality of the seriousness and eternality and uh, plain old terror of hell. And so these questions start To get raised, not only by non-believers, but by Christians as well. And I just want to say, we're not meant to feel good about hell. And so in attempting to answer this, uh, my prayer is that at the end of this, we'll understand a little bit more and maybe grasp a little bit more why hell is actually a just and justifiable and fair punishment. But that doesn't change the way possibly you're going to feel about it or the way I feel about hell. These questions are also really, really good for us as Christians because they get us to think about our faith, interrogate our faith. And as Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, it it helps us to be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks, he says, for the reason for the hope that is in you. But we also need to do that, he says, with love and with gentleness. Now, speaking about the emotional aspect of considering hell and the suffering that one is going to experience in hell and the eternality of it, in other words, the, the eternal nature of it, often our emotions get in the way and then we start to develop doctrines or ideas about hell that just aren't biblical and just aren't godly. You know, for some who just don't believe that a loving God could send people to hell at all, have developed or have bought into this doctrine or this heresy called universalism. So many people have moved towards that sort of thinking. And what universalism does is it teaches that no one ultimately is going to hell. Because God is a loving God, he'll never send anybody to hell. And so they bind this doctrine called universalism, which scripturally just is not true. Then you've got some people who aren't quite there, but have accepted the idea of hell, but haven't accepted uh, the eternality of it. And so they, they bind to a doctrine called annihilationism. 
And what that does is it teaches that hell is not eternal, it's finite. That people will go to hell and they'll suffer for a while, but eventually uh, hell and everything in it is going to be destroyed. That's one version of it. And so you'll just cease to exist. There'll be no suffering. You just won't be in eternity. And so hell for you is your uh, eternal destruction. You're not going to be conscious or aware of anything. And then some even go as far as to say, when you die, you just destroyed outright. Or when Jesus separates the sheep and the goats, the goats are going to be destroyed essentially. And the sheep he'll take with him into eternal life. The sheep being Christians and the goats being those who uh, rejected him and did not accept his gift of salvation. Some believe that there won't even be hell, you'll just be destroyed. But I feel when you go to scripture, uh, it really is clear that hell exists. Hell is a real place. It is a place of suffering and torment and is a place that lasts for eternity. Now, like I said, this is incredibly emotional to deal with. And the answer to whether the, the, the punishment of hell is fair or not might not meet your emotional needs, but it may help you understand why it is fair and is just from God or by God to send people to hell. I've been asked many times by young people these questions. Why would God punish non-believers with an eternity in hell for a lifetime of sin? That just doesn't seem fair. Shouldn't their duration in hell be equivalent to the amount of time they've spent on earth and um, the gravity or weight of their sin? Surely eternity is just too much of a punishment. And often what happens is this is coming from a genuine concern and, and a desire to understand what's really going on here. But people who ask this question fundamentally misunderstand the nature of two things. One, the nature of the offender, that being us human beings. And two, the nature of the offended, that being God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to unpack uh, and, and, and trying to answer this question under those two headings today. The nature of the offender and the nature of the offended. And hopefully, like I said, we'll come to a place where we understand that hell is a just and fair punishment. Although that might not meet our emotional needs when we consider hell. Now the nature of the offender is quite obvious. The offender is the human being. It is us. It's you and it's me. And humans are guilty. We are sinful from birth. We are born with a sinful nature. We've committed crimes against God, whether big or small. Every single sin is a deviation from the character and the nature of God and therefore is punishable. David confesses this in Psalm 14, verse 2 to 3, where he says, the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand. Any who seek God, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Then Paul in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that means for you and I, we deserve to be punished. Every human being on the planet finds himself in this situation where they have a corrupt, sinful nature which they inherited from birth. But God does offer a pardon and a way of escaping this torment. God does offer forgiveness for this. And I think that's key in answering this. It's key to remember as we contemplate hell and the eternality of it and the suffering in hell. 
and the justice of it, we have to remember that God has offered us a way. It is not God's desire, it says in his word, that anybody should perish. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. That's his, his promise to come back and to, and to call us up into heaven with him. As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So it's important to remember that church, that God does not want people to perish. He does not want people to suffer eternally in hell. Not only that, Hell was never really created. In fact, not never really. It was never created or intended for humans in the first place. Hell was a place created for Satan and the angels that decided to follow him. And and we see that clearly when Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 25. He says, speaking about the end times, then I will say to those, or then you will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are accursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So God has offered a way for us to get us. Not like God has made it impossible for us to be saved. It's not like God created this place for us in the first place. But it is the only place that exists where a person or a being can be sent for their punishment to be served out because of their sin against God. Those who accept God's offer of salvation are absolved of their guilt and get to go Free. However, those who reject the pardon, who reject the salvation, pay for the crimes themselves because they remain guilty. Very much like human prisons, God sentences the guilty to spiritual quarantine, which the Bible speaks about as hell. For a lot of people, they hear that and they go, I understand the need for punishment. I really do. But what about the length of incarceration? Surely eternity is just too much. I get that I've sinned against God. I get that I need to be punished. But for eternity, how is that justified? The truth is their banishment into hell lasts forever because they remain guilty forever. Now we hear about this thing or this comeback to the eternality of hell. And we hear people saying there was finite sin. My, my sin was limited. My life was limited. I lived for 60, 70 years or a person lives for 60, 70 years. Some even die much younger, 30, 40, 20, 20 years of um, not living for Jesus. But now I suffer for eternity in hell. How can that be? My sin was temporal. My punishment is eternal. Church, the reality is what we need to understand is that and what people who ask that question need to understand is that there's no such thing as temporary sin or temporal sin. We are born spiritually dead, spiritually corrupt. We are physical and spiritual beings from the inside out. We are sinful. It's not our physical flesh that is sinful. It's not inherently sinful. Our bodies Our flesh shows what we are like in the inside when we outwork and we act on our sinful nature and we do sinful things. And so God's word speaks about our flesh being sinful, but it's not speaking about our physical flesh. It's speaking about our carnal desires, that soul that is corrupt. God says to the, to, to the Pharisees, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. That is like all of us without Jesus. There's death on the inside. 
We are inherently sinful from birth. Our flesh one day will die. Yes, it's temporary. We've got a finite amount of um, days to live. And we will die, but that does not mean that our sinfulness dies with our flesh. Our souls last forever and our souls are the things that are corrupted by sin from birth. If you are spiritually dead, if your soul is uncleansed, unclean, unforgiven, it remains guilty. You remain guilty without Jesus. And the nature of our souls is eternal. Therefore, the nature of our corrupt nature or the nature of our sin remains eternal. So while we're on earth, we we have this opportunity to accept Jesus and to be forgiven for our sins. But once the time comes where we either pass away into the next life or Jesus comes back and wraps up all of history, at that point it would be too late. The opportunity is now. And at that point, if a person has not repented of their sin and accepted Christ's pardon, they pay for their crimes. They get sentenced to eternal quarantine because they will last for eternity. Their sinfulness lasts for eternity. Once they've served a year in hell, they are still guilty. Once they've spent a thousand years in hell, they are still guilty. Once they've spent eternity in hell, they are still guilty. At this point, a lot of people ask the question, well, well, what happens if you repent in hell? And the simple answer to that is, there's no such thing as repentance in hell. On the day Jesus separates the sheep from the goats, on, on the day he calls some into eternal life, and on, on that day where he calls some into eternal life and banishes others into eternal hell, on that day many people will realize their mistake. Many people will try and plead their case. Many people will beg for pardon on that day, but it will be too little, too late. In realizing their mistake, many will beg and fall at the feet of Jesus, seeing the glory of God and being overwhelmed with the reality of their coming destiny or their eternity. They will start to make all sorts of excuses and justify their behavior. Some will even, it says in Matthew chapter 7, say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? But it says that Jesus will say to them on this day, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoers. And he will send them off into hell. And it says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 30, in hell, there will be much weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is the point I want to get to when we speak about repentance In hell, in hell, there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that mean? Well, people will be weeping because they are sorrowful. There is deep regret, but they are feeling sorry for themselves. They are frustrated. Have you ever been so frustrated that you just want to cry? They know that they've been sent to hell. They know they've missed the opportunity. But that weeping is not a repentant weeping. It's a sorrowful, regretful weeping, a frustrated weeping, knowing what they've missed out on. And that causes them to gnash their teeth, God's word says, with anger. There's gnashing of teeth. It is, it is this rage and this, and this malice that consumes one. 
And so hell is not a place full of repentant people. Hell is a place full of people who hate God even more than they did when they were on earth. They shake their fist at God and gnash their teeth. And there's crying and weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. The truth is, if people have rejected God on earth, where we are surrounded by the the grace of God and the love of God and the beauty of God in creation, and with Christians whose lives have been changed, who testify to the goodness of God, when we are on earth surrounded by, in many ways, still protected by the direct influence and presence of God, if in this place we reject Jesus and people reject God, they will reject and hate him even more. In hell. If they were too proud to recognize and acknowledge their sins in this life and come to Jesus for repentance or for forgiveness in repentance, they most certainly will not acknowledge him when they are in hell. So we are guilty, church. And so justifiably so we are punished. And we are punished for eternity because our souls last for eternity. We never stop being guilty. When our flesh dies, our souls remain. And so considering the guilt of the offender is really irrelevant and in my opinion enough, I believe, to justify eternity in hell. But there is that second point. There is another element or aspect to consider. Not just the nature of the offender, but the nature of the one being offended. In our case, the one being offended is God. The being or the person being offended is God. Every sin is ultimately a sin against God. David confesses this and and teaches us this truth in Psalm 51. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You know, so often we fail to grasp the immense seriousness and overwhelming horror of our sin because we fail to grasp, sadly, often the enormity and the immenseness of God's greatness and holiness and and majesty. Majesty. If we were preaching live, you would have been laughing at my word fumble there. You know, and one one of the scriptures that I really love to read when considering the majesty and enormity of God is Isaiah 40. And it says this, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. With whom then? Will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. 
He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them forth, each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Our inability to understand the enormity and the majesty and the greatness and glory of God often impedes our ability to understand the reasoning and justification for eternal punishment. But to put it simply, to answer the question in a very simple way, Offending an eternal, holy, righteous being earns you an eternal punishment. Within our human systems of justice, we often consider the nature of the victim or the person being offended. For example, if you kill a cockroach or a mouse or a rat, if you kill something that's considered a pest, for example, it's, it's highly unlikely that you'll be prosecuted. In fact, it's legal for you to pay companies to come and exterminate pests. The reason why we pay people to do this and the reason why you don't get prosecuted for this is because we do not consider pests inherently valuable. They're a pest to us. And so it's good riddance. If you shoot or kill or in any way endanger or take the life of an endangered species, say, for example, a rhino or the bald eagle in the States. I don't know what other protected creatures there are. I know there's tons. If you kill one of those, chances are you'll be prosecuted and in some countries even go to prison for doing that. And that's because we recognize the inherent value of a species that is on the brink of extinction. That is being, that's why it's being protected. We recognize that because of their low numbers, they are incredibly valuable. And so we place value on them and you get prosecuted. Whether it's fined or criminal charges placed against you if you're caught killing a protected animal. Murder a human being though, regardless of how many there are or aren't of us on this earth. And you face life in prison and in some countries even death. And the reason for that is because humans are so inherently valuable. The nature of human beings is that which cannot be described except to say that we are created in the image of God. You and I are more beautiful than you know and than you think. We are more valuable to God than we think and that we even know. God has made it clear, but some of us don't realize that. And that's why we recognize how Terrible it is to take a human life. We are extremely valuable, created in the image of God and distinct, set apart from all of creation. And so you'll notice the more valuable the nature being offended, the nature of the person being offended, the more severe the punishment or the crime. It's just intuitive. It's just. Therefore, since we live in God's jurisdiction and we are meant to be abiding by his rules, his laws, and he is the one that we offend when we sin. The punishment 
or the severity of the punishment is equal to the nature and the value of the one being offended. Since God is infinitely greater and more valuable than any person, and since God is eternal, the nature of the punishment is going to be infinitely greater. It is going to be eternal. That's why an eternal punishment is just. By offending an infinite eternal being, we incur an infinite eternal debt. It's the nature of the offender and the nature of the offended that justify eternity in hell. Now, like I said in the beginning of the message, that may not satisfy our need to emotionally reconcile ourselves with the idea or to the idea of hell. I don't think we're supposed to emotionally feel good about hell. It might not satisfy our need to emotionally you know, relax when it comes to hell. But these truths, these truths that our sin is eternal and God is eternal. The reward for forgiveness is eternal and the punishment for rejection is eternal. Those may not satisfy emotions, but it satisfies the justice of God. And that's the bad news. It's not bad news that God is just, but it's bad news for those who reject his salvation. The good news is God is not just a just and righteous God. He's also caring and loving God. He doesn't want, like we looked at in the beginning of this message, for anybody to perish or to spend eternity in hell and to be away from his presence, but for all to be with him. God not only promised that this would be true, he demonstrated it by his actions when he paid for our eternal debt himself by sending his son, Jesus Christ, our king, to die an horrific death on the cross for you and for me. So that anyone who would recognize his sin, humble themselves and confess, would receive forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus. He has done everything that's needed. His sacrifice, his payment, our blessing. God the Father punishes Jesus so that we could come to him and not spend eternity in hell. If there's anything unjust, it's that. It's a trade where God takes our place and bears our punishment for us. That's the injustice. It's not unjust or unjust that God would punish us for what we deserve to be punished for. What's unjust is that God would take our place. God dying for us. That's not called justice. Church, that's called grace. And we've got that because we have a gracious, loving God. And so I want to leave it there this morning. I realize that this could go on for a very long time, but I'm wrapping up there. And just want to say to you, if you don't know Jesus, the sad reality for you is that when your life ends here, you will spend eternity in hell for the eternal sin that you carry and for the rejection of an eternal God. But the good news for you is this. Today, you can repent of your sin and accept the free gift of grace and forgiveness from God that is in Christ Jesus for you. And you can be sure of this, that God will fulfill his promise to wash you clean of your sin. And that one day when you die and this body fades away, you will inherit a new one, a new life. And you'll get to enter eternity into bliss 
and into heaven with God. And for those of us who are Christians, I want to encourage you. Try to every now and then contemplate hell and its severity and its eternality. Because that will cause us to once again light the fires and stoke those embers into a passion for the lost. Into grief and despair for those who faded and who have passed on and as God's word says, fallen asleep without Jesus. Hopefully it would cause us to preach the gospel more with greater fervor and with less reserve for the sake of those who are perishing. I pray that that would be a real encouragement to you, a real challenge to you. I hope that it has answered this in a sufficient way for you, possibly not met your emotional needs or fixed this emotionally for you, but helped you to be able to articulate this to somebody possibly who asks you in the future. Bless you. And if there's anything you need prayer for, please contact the number that is on the screen. Phone the church. Speak to Michelle in the office and she'll put you in contact with the pastor. Or email me at roland uh, at connectchurch.org.za if you have any questions, if you'd like to chat, I'd love to hear from you. Bless you and have a wonderful rest of the day. Bye. <music>